2: Hey everybody, and welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm your host Will, and I'm your host Brian. This is a podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from calciferous caverns to carnivorous creatures. And today's topic is the three pillars of D anD D. I
1: cast fireball.
2: What are the three pillars of Dungeons & Dragons? Okay, so when the the construction, if you will, of this edition of D&D, when they were getting down to the nitty-gritty of it all, they, just uh, to be clear,
0: really quick, I don't think we've even addressed that we primarily talk about fifth edition D and D. We did we do this in, podcast in
2: episode one. We did. I think I mentioned it offhandedly, but yeah. yeah. Okay,
0: that's good that we. It's good that we did, and it's probably okay
2: to mention that it's, again. It is in the continuity. Okay, that we are a fifth edition podcast. <laughs> yeah, when uh when fifth edition was being uh, formulated by uh, Wizards of the Coast, um, they they had a, a kind of a founding concept, if you will of breaking down the game to its simplest forms and kind of taking a look and examining it and like deciding like what makes this game what it is and they have kind of followed this philosophy that the game has three major aspects and they are exploration, combat, and social interaction and you'll find that pretty much any aspect of the game that you're playing like will fall into one or more of these categories and so... I think these three pillars, if you will, kind of really do sum up the game very well what's the first pillar what 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 are we talking I mean, about first well, they're not in numerical order, but <clears throat> i think uh i think we'll we'll start with uh the pillar of combat combat is a it's a pretty big part of d and d I do like combat, yeah, yeah, combat's a lot of fun it's definitely the most mechanical aspect of the whole game, and there's a lot to talk about there um, i guess uh when it comes to combat one of the first things you got to decide is the order in which all those within the combat are going to go. And that's when you roll for what is called initiative. And you'll often hear your DM say roll for initiative. And that's when you know a fight's going to start. And basically what happens is uh, everybody who's involved in the fight um, rolls a D20 and then adds their initiative modifier, which is usually based off your dexterity Um, and highest number goes first and then all the way down to the bottom. So when we decide who's in the fight, it's basically like
0: everybody within the room, right?
2: Yeah, anyone who's involved. Yeah, anyone in the area. Because theoretically, if there's a a thing in the room that isn't necessarily going to fight, you still want to roll its initiative so that when its turn comes up, it will just keep doing what it's doing or maybe run away or or whatever so
0: like if you have a um let's say you get into a fight in the middle of like a town square and there are npcs running around and Mm -hmm. there's some like weaponless people right that don't have any intention of fighting you would Mm -hmm. still roll initiative for them
2: so they can take an action depending on how many there are i might roll. if there's like two or three i'll roll individual initiatives for each of them and if there, but if there's like i don't know more than that, any any like number group, more than that. A, like group? a like a group I'll just, of five or something. I'll just roll a general group initiative for them, and then generally they will flee on their turn. Okay. Um. But yeah, so initiative is just it's just a nice way of uh of keeping things organized and keeping the combat in in order, and it's a good way to represent. Well, some people are a little bit quicker on their feet and quicker of thought than others.
0: Yeah, high dexterity character will typically go first. Yeah. Um. So there's are ways in the game
2: that you can increase your initiative, right? There are a couple. Yeah there are a couple ways. The number one way would be increasing your dexterity score because on certain levels, um, you can actually increase some ability scores. Um, <clears throat> there's a, uh, there's a feat, I believe it's called alert. We haven't even really spoken about feats, but there are these things called feats in the game that you can take at certain levels. And, um, that feat specifically, I think adds just a, a flat plus five to your initiative role, which is whopping. That's huge. Um, five is a pretty big number in this game. So, um, yeah, Those when are the- you're modding your die, definitely. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Um I don't think there's any other ways outside of uh there are some magic items, I'm sure, that, that help boost initiative. I think we went over um for my
0: character Rohan to get uh an armor that uh up the initiative. It didn't really do much for any of my other
2: stats, oh, but yeah. it did give me a plus one yeah. to initiative. Yeah, I just I made that one up. Okay, you know, that's like as, a homebrew thing. As I'm often you know want to do, I will make things up. But yeah, <clears throat> that that armor boosts his initiative. So it's kind of up to your DM's discretion too when it comes to uh certain items or abilities or features that may or may not boost your initiative roll.
0: Cool. Okay.
2: So, um, when it comes to combat in D&D, I kind of was saying how it's the more mechanical aspect of the game. Well, there's also a lot of, like, D&D jargon, if you will. There's a lot of terminology when it comes to combat. Yeah, it's very vocabulary-heavy, so please stick with us. Yeah, so, um, yeah, there's all kinds of vocabulary, like, uh, is an attack ranged or is it melee, you know? Is this a weapon attack? Is this using your standard action or your bonus action? Or is this some sort of free action, Um, you know? Uh, d- does this um, attack require a save of some sort? And there's just all kinds of terminology. So as as terms come up, maybe try and catch me, and I'll I'll, I'll try and explain what that term means before we like keep going in the conversation. Okay. Um. <clears throat> so um. In in combat, not only do we divide up the turns, but the turns themselves kind of are divided up into an action economy, if you will. Um. On any player's turn, and usually monsters as well, they follow a lot of the same rules when it comes to combat, Um, you get three basic actions. You get your action, which is like the big thing that you do on this turn, whether that's an attack or... uh, Using a magic item, or drinking a potion, or something along those lines. Um, something, uh, something you're going to do that's going to take like actual time in the battle, right? That's yeah, your action. Yeah, exactly. And then um, all all players have what's called a bonus action, which it, there there's nothing um, vanilla. I think that 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 constitutes as a bonus action. Bonus actions are almost exclusively like there is a feature within your race or within your class that lets you do a thing. That's classified under bonus action. So, um, oh, actually, there is one thing. There, uh, One thing that all players can do that is a bonus action is if you are dual wielding, if you have a, a light weapon in your offhand, you can make that offhand weapon attack as a bonus action. <clears throat> okay. So players are typically allowed one bonus action usually when they have one.
0: It's one. Yeah.
2: You get one action. You get one bonus action. And then um, you get a movement. Now, all players and all monsters have a speed, which is how many feet they can travel in one turn. The standard for most uh, player races is 30 feet. So uh, I think now's a good time to talk
0: about how long each person's turn takes in real like not in real time in mm-hmm. fantasy time in game time.
2: I think I think the way it's divided is uh, an entire round of turns which is basically everyone in the combat has taken its turn is supposed to represent 6 seconds in real time. Okay, so when you have more people
0: in combat, mm-hmm. so everybody's turn is kind of uh shortened a little bit, would you say?
2: Uh kind of that that's the thing when we when we start trying to like pick apart like the mechanics of the game and how that translates to real time it can kind of get a little wonky. Cause yeah, like how is it that if you have twenty things all doing stuff and they're going in order, how does that take the same amount of time as five things doing stuff? It's because they're kind of supposed to be happening simultaneously, but obviously they're not. Because yeah, we're in turn based. We're system. in a turn based system. There's so no way to actually yeah. There's this no way the to actually only way do way to like
0: yeah. actually have a fight. And have it make sense, yes. in, in this setting. So you're just kind of got to let that part go. Maybe not the only way, but I, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, it, it, it works. It Final works for fantasy
2: me. style. I like it. Um, <clears throat> so um, movement. Yeah, so uh, all all creatures have a a certain uh, walking speed. Um, its average is, is thirty feet. A shorter races like halflings and gnomes is, or dwarves, like it's twenty five feet. Um, some quicker like. Creatures like wolves and, and, and other quick things, it, it can be as high as 50 feet. Um, but that's land speed. There's also other kinds of speed. There's climbing speed, swimming speed, and flying speed, if if those are things that creature can do. Um, I think for players, climbing and swimming speed is your land speed cut in half outside of like a feature that you have. And uh, flying speed is really dependent on whatever creature has that ability, and if it's a spell, the spell will literally tell you. Cool what else we got um so in combat um again you're using the d20 for primarily all your rolls except for damage rolls um and when it comes to making an attack you're going to roll that d20 add whatever modifier and it may or may not hit now there's a really cool mechanic that was introduced in this edition which i think um is one of the greatest innovations in all D and D editions, and that's the implication of the advantage and or disadvantage system. So, if your character finds itself in an advantageous situation, let's say um, high ground or something high ground, ground, like that, high ground or just through a certain set of circumstances, make it so that it kind of makes sense that you would kind of have an advantage in this situation. What you get to do is roll your d two times and take the higher result. Vice versa, if the tables are turned and you find yourself in a very disadvantaged
0: aka the low ground.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A.k.a. the low ground. If you find yourself in that situation, it's actually the the odds are stacked against you and uh those attacking you, or in case maybe you attacking, have to roll the D twenty twice and then take force you are forced to take the lower result. Um and it really is a very simple way and streamlined way to to um evoke this actual um the you know the actual like the I, sense that you actually do have an advantage. yeah there in we go situation. sorry it's slip, slip, yeah slip the tongue but That's... uh um in previous editions this was much more clunky in previous editions it was always there were always like uh little things that would give you a plus 1 or a minus 2 or a plus 2 or a plus 5 or a minus 10 or or I'll whatever try to quantify how yeah. much advantage you have and you'd be sitting there and be like okay hold on let me see what this is and you'd add it and subtract it all together and you come out to a number and it it is uh a little unimmersive and it takes time it slows down the fight and it's just it's not simple and sometimes simple's better, and I think in this case uh, simple simple's way better, it really streamlines the fight and makes it just you know more immersive. so I've seen
0: characters take uh or players rather take uh take their advantage roles or disadvantage roles mm-hmm. and they don't um though when they, especially when they have advantage, I don't think it, this happens when they have disadvantage but they they take their role. And their first roll was like definitely a pass, like, oh yeah, like an eighteen or something like that. Right. Like, oh, I passed, and they don't bother to pick up their die and roll it again
2: mm-hmm.
0: when they have the opportunity to roll that crit twenty. Yeah. So, um it I a lot. remind players, like roll your second dice, don't do yourself that disservice and make sure that you you take every opportunity you can. Those those crit twenties are really cool when they happen in combat. They're yeah. probably cooler than almost any other time. Hell yeah, they are. Um same thing with a disadvantage. Don't be like, "Oh, I just failed it." Like you probably should roll that, see if you crit miss, and then yeah, <laughs> you got to really see what happens. It could
2: change the trajectory of the whole fight. Um, but yeah, yeah, never, never skip out on a chance on a crit. I mean, five percent is the chance you'll get a crit. So it's, I mean, it's low, but like it could happen. It does yeah, why, happen. Why not? Why not go for it? Indeed, especially in combat.
0: I mean, there's no better time. I I feel than to roll. I mean, unless you're in a. Um, in a spot with an NPC where you're like trying to bluff them or something like other otherwise I don't I feel like that's
2: the best time to get a crit yeah I I agree um and and to kind of go over crits again when you when you hit when you uh roll a critical hit on an attack roll generally what you're going to do is double the damage whether that means you roll your damage dice twice or you just roll once and double it um I have my own house rule for that where for what I do is I say it's auto hit you maximize the damage so whatever the maximum you could possibly do on a normal attack roll you get that and then go ahead and roll that weapon die or spell attack die one more time to just add a little bit of cheese on top of that nice and uh yeah i find that fun that that kind of goes back to fourth edition it's more similar to that but i started with fourth edition and fourth edition gets a lot of hate from fans but uh i really love that edition and i try and take the cool things that i like from that edition and Bring it on over to this one, which even though fifth edition is is a better edition, objectively speaking, it fourth edition has a special place in my heart.
0: There's there's a there are condition effects in this game.
2: There's... Yeah, there you can liken it to like status effects from like I don't know Pokemon or any any video game really where there's status effects like being poisoned or whatnot. Um, I would say that concept probably originated in this game, and who knows where before that, but. There are a list of what are called conditions that are usually pretty um, impairing to your character. There's like one or two that might actually be beneficial, but most of them are quite bad. Um, There are things like being blinded or being grappled, um, being knocked unconscious, um, being frightened or charmed, um, poisoned, paralyzed, petrified, um, stunned being knocked prone is considered a condition cuz you're you've been knocked on the ground and it's going to take a movement for you get up. Yeah, let's get in into the specifics of these things a okay. little more. So, uh like things like poison and
0: paralyzation, those are those sound like similar kinds of things where you would need to cure them to to
2: be okay, right? Uh it really depends. Like it it'll um whatever is causing the effect, there there will be kind of a little descriptor saying like how long it takes for that effect to wear off or what it takes to Uh, cure that effect usually with poisons that they usually last like an hour or sometimes a day um unless there's some sort of like healing interception there and what is a poison typically going to do to you um i think poison puts you at disadvantage um on all your attacks skill rolls um what else does it do i think it might even like half the damage that you do but i'm not positive on that i'd have to look it up and I'm sure some of these poisons are, are specific. They'll be, like, listed in their, in their uh, yeah. description. Yeah, almost all of them are definitely specific. The things that can poison you would be, like, I don't know, a giant poisonous snake or, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, a vial of poison. Like, let's say uh, an orc archer soaked all his arrowheads in, like, some sort of vial toxin and fired and you got hit with it that day. Like, you're probably going to get poisoned. Right, okay um paralyzed you know it keeps you from moving a lot of these are really uh they really impair your ability to move like being restrained or grappled um obviously being unconscious or knocked prone being paralyzed uh being stunned just you forgo your turn period um being petrified you were basically you were turned to stone like yeah that's a serious one. If you get petrified, that's a big deal. yeah what do you do? <laughs> Let's talk about that. What do you do if you if you turn into stone? yeah usually you're gonna have to get some sort of magical like remedy to that, and usually it's not gonna be easy to find so if an enemy is about to um
0: paralyze or frighten or um or stun you or petrify
2: you, usually mm. you'd have to save right. Yes, you have an opportunity always. to to get out of that before yeah. it happens. Yeah, almost always there's going to be some sort of save that you'll you'll have to roll. Um, I actually like the the frightened condition. I find that one interesting because the way that one works is you if you are frightened by a creature, you can move. You cannot move any. Towards that creature in any way, shape, or form, and as in fact you have to use all of your movement to move as far away from that creature as possible. You have to use your. Yeah, movement you have no choice. Okay. Yeah, you are strucken by fear,
0: so you um, run away as far as you possibly can. Get yeah, from it. yeah, that's 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 really really bad for you. Yeah, and, you have to uh, spend a whole turn moving back to where you were, which might not even be
2: near the creature, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it's designed for you to be as far as from the creature as you can be. Um The creature that comes to mind when I think of the frightened um, status effect is uh, dragons. They almost always cause that in either like an aura or in some sort of like dragon fear stare or something like that. So that's actually something pretty deep in D&D dragon lore. That seems pretty
0: problematic. Do you know of a way that like a player can counter being frightened?
2: Um, You could be a halfling. Halflings are immune to fear. Um, sweet! <laughs> uh, I think paladins go frodo. have yeah go frodo uh, Paladins have some stuff. Um, there are some spells that protect you from that kind of stuff. Um, have a high wisdom stat that'll help you with the save, I suppose. Okay, so it's a wisdom saving throw. I think. Okay, <laughs> I think that's correct. So, pass all your saving throws. That's the way. That's how you win D yeah. <laughs> and D. Yeah, and and of course the worst condition uh, would be death. Yeah, dying is probably the worst out of them all. Death is a condition of living in this game. Yeah, it is. Um, so dying. Dying probably comes up the most in combat, um, and it is a thing that your character's got to be worried about. And the way it works is um, there there are two ways that you can die. The first is if you are brought to the equivalent of your maximum HP level, but in the negative. So you drop to zero, you're now unconscious. If whatever keeps hurting you keeps hurting you and drops you into the negative equivalent to what your maximum HP is, you die. So let's say we've got uh, like a level one character with like 20 HP mm-hmm.
0: and he takes 20 HP or she and uh, then takes 20 more. That
2: character is effectively dead. Effectively dead. is dead. <laughs> um, the other way you could die is when you are brought to zero... You are considered unstable. You're unconscious and you're unstable. And on your turn, you make what is what, I call, what is called a death saving throw. You're bleeding
0: out. Everything is everything is really foggy. Yeah, um, you're, yeah. you're pulsing red in your
2: eyeballs. Yeah, pretty pretty much. Um, you need your teammate to come like press A over you to like pick you up. Kinda, yeah, because <laughs> a, a teammate can help stabilize you. So yeah, that totally is an equivalent. Um, so, on your, on your turn, you make is what, it, what is called a death saving throw, which is just a saving throw in which you need to get a 10 or higher to help you stabilize. You need to get three successes to completely stabilize. But if you fail three times, you are considered dead.
0: So, potentially, you could roll five times like yeah. in, in this. Yeah, okay. you could.
2: Absolutely. Um, and it happens. And um I think uh when when Jake's character died uh it was by by saving roll wasn't it Yeah he um he went down quite a bit into the negative <laughs> he
0: was close to just straight up dying uh-huh. but um he failed 3 in a row yeah. I mean I, <laughs> poor Jake He hasn't rolled that bad since thankfully Yeah like he's <laughs> he's gotten close but no yeah Jake is uh, a yeah. in our campaign he he was playing uh, an Eric Kokra um, that had lost his wings in a duel and had to wander the earth uh flightless. So uh he was with us and he just got trapped real bad um in in a part of a dungeon that it, you don't want to get trapped in. He got he got taken out pretty hard and one of our other uh one of our other players tried to save him and it, it didn't go so well. That's actually what put him into the negative. He went down to 0, failed a saving throw and then our uh our um our warlock yeah, yeah, he yeah. tried to, he tried to do like a burning hand spell and like yeah. fucking fried the guy and yeah. like he went into the water and got dragged underneath. It was yeah. like the most, it was pretty horrific, shitty death ever.
2: <laughs> and the party, P. And the party was silent for a moment. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, yeah, death saving throws and being dropped to your maximum HP but into the negative. Those are the two things that will kill you. Um, so in the in this game, um you will fight a menagerie of monsters, if you will, like a cornucopia of creatures. And um they're gonna they're gonna vary from anything from just humans like mercenaries, fighters, soldiers, bandits, um people that disagree with you. <laughs> yeah, people that don't like the cut of your jib are going to try and fight you in this game and you're gonna have to hold your own. Um on top of that, of course, you know, creatures like anything from goblins and orcs, um slimes ooze monsters, dragons, chimeras, titans, giants, the list goes on and on and on. Um, And they come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, and sizes are actually a mechanical aspect of the game. Depending on your size, you will take up a certain amount of space on the combat field, and certain things might be harder or easier for you, depending on your size. And I think the sizes are as follows. There are tiny which would be like pixies and sprites and, and rat, like I guess a rat would be tiny, um, palm of your hand, palm of your hand thing. type things, yeah, um, small, which is where halflings, goblins, gnomes fall into, medium, which is your average humanoid, anything from a human to an orc to, um, a goliath, like they all fall in the very broad medium category, so like
0: five to twelve feet tall.
2: Is, yeah, yeah, yeah kind of. 12 is, is yeah, kind of the upper limit on that. 12 yeah, I'd imagine actually, there are some big-ass orcs and stuff. Yeah, I think orcs get anywhere from, like, 8 to 9 feet tall. So, oh, okay. I'd say medium actually puts you anywhere from, like, 5 to 10 feet tall. Okay. Um. Then you get into the large category, which is, like, ogres and trolls, and um, horses are actually in the large category. Um. So, things of kind of that size. And then you get into huge, you're starting to talk about... Oh, actually, no, then you get into huge yeah it's huge after large and then those are like giants and uh hydras and like some younger dragons are that size um and then you get into gargantuan which is just monstrously big Um, the tarrasque the tarrasque god yeah that's an episode (laughs) um you know elder dragons hydras you know, all the really giant purple worms. Like, yeah, all the really big creatures. You could always flavor a creature to be bigger or smaller. Yeah, abso- right? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're very,
0: yeah. y- you can be liberal with that.
2: Yeah, yeah, you can. But then
0: would you, if so, if you reskin a creature mm-hmm. to be bigger than it typically would be, are you, you
2: mechanically should change that too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You should, because it, it's going to change some things like larger creatures are going to have to squeeze into some tighter spots and And stuff like that,
0: there are um, different saving throws, and like um I know that there are spells that you can cast on large creatures, but not gargantuan creatures, and yeah, things like that there
2: are, and then some creatures have like uh, certain bonuses against creatures bigger and or smaller than them on top of size though, we could also kind of talk about the substance of a creature, some creatures are incorporeal, some creatures are like ghosts. Ghosts are not solid creatures, and they're going to be immune or at least um, resistant to regular physical attacks. Okay, so you'd basically be forced to use magic to deal with some of these creatures. Yeah, some of these creatures will force you to use certain ways of fighting them. Magic is a big one. Some things resist. All things not magical. So, if you don't have a magic weapon, you're shit out of luck that sucks man. yeah so yeah. suddenly your your front runner fighter becomes useless in a room full of ghosts until he gets that magic sword yeah, yeah, absolutely <laughs> and that and that starts to happen around like level five and six that starts to start happening a lot right Because um, the bigger and better the beast, you know the more he can resist um and let's talk a little about you got resistance and you have uh is it weakness? I believe so. No, vulnerabilities. That's what they are. Okay. So you have resistance and vulnerability. When you resist something, you take half damage from it. If you are vulnerable to something, you take double damage from it. And then there's immunity, which means you take no damage whatsoever.
0: So there's um there's all kinds of uh, immunities, there's all kinds of resistances, and it's mm-hmm. all kind of dependent on the makeup of the creature, like yeah. their substance, basically. Yeah. yeah, So, like, stone creatures and things like that, they're uh, resistant against, like, bludgeoning
2: damage and um, slashing. Actually, and, like... yeah, like, uh, I would say for stone creatures, they would actually um, not be vulnerable, but bludgeoning damage might be the best way to try and take them out. Um, um, break them up and stuff. Yeah, they, they'll definitely be resistant to piercing and slashing damage, though and uh like me- i know there's a lot of like metal creatures like um mm-hmm. which are resistant to all three like the gorgon yeah there we go jeez yeah that's a weird one armored beast yeah um so yeah there's all kinds of resistances all kinds of vulnerabilities um and all kinds of damage types like the you got, for all weapons you have slashing piercing and bludgeoning damage on top of whether it's maybe magical or non-magical and then um there are for like all the different magics and stuff you have force and fire and cold and lightning and thunder and poison and acid and necrotic and radiant so what happens
0: when you have like a slashing piercing bludgeoning and um and you have a magical item like what what becomes of that
2: it, well, it remains its type of damage, but it also just gains the kind of like parentheses. This is magical, so so like,
0: it's slashing damage, but it's treated like it. It just bypasses anybody's like um, resistance or immunity to non-magical stuff. Yeah. Okay, otherwise, it's treated normally. Like yeah, it, absolutely. You, you roll the same yeah. damage and yeah. everything.
2: And there's also uh, silvered weapons, like some. So you can you can decide to have your weapon like uh, lined with silver. And that will actually be effective against some supernatural creatures that are normally immune or resistant to normal damage because silver has magical properties. Yeah, like if you want to kill a werewolf, that's that mm-hmm. applies in D&D. Mm-hmm. If you, you need some silver. You need to put some silver yep. into that bad boy's yep. heart. I think silver also is effective against ghosts, but I'm not positive on that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, One last thing to kind of talk about when it comes to combat because we'll move on to the other pillars of D&D in a moment is um there's a nice rule variant that I've brought over from 4th edition that I've used once with you guys and it worked out really well. And it's a little little tricky to pull off, but it can be really really fun and it's called a skill challenge. In in 4th edition this was introduced or if you wanted to represent like a combat or something combat-esque but you didn't want to like dive straight into a combat cuz sometimes i can take 30 minutes to an hour especially in in the older editions. A comic took a long time. Um, you could streamline it into what was called a skill challenge. Everyone would roll an initiative. You would decide the order of turns, the order of the the turns. And um, on each player's turn, they would say to the DM what they would do. And then the DM would call for a um, skill that kind of re- represented that best. Yeah, you, that you, you pick off your character sheet. Yeah, that you pick off your character sheet. And uh, you would roll it, and then you would either succeed or fail. And then the DM would kind of spin that into a cinematic scene. Um, and there are are some rules to that where depending on how difficult the challenge itself is, it will take a certain number of successes, whether it's three, five, seven, nine, versus the the never changing number of three failures to fail. So um, you guys actually recently, we did a gladiator fight, but we needed to streamline it. And um, we turned it into a skill challenge, and for you guys, it really worked out. I've done skill challenges for other groups where it just was really clunky and did not work out at all. It's because uh, the skill challenge kind of puts a little bit of power into the player's hand to help make this cinematic sequence work and get creative and imaginative, and some players, they just aren't ready for that. They don't have that. But um, I don't know. What did you think of the skill challenge? I
0: liked it a lot. I, I could basically be like, okay, I want to... Um like roll to my left and then as i get up i want to slash my sword into this guy's like shoulder and I'll, as i like dodge an attack so then i would do like an acrobatics check right
2: mm-hmm. yeah
0: and so my acrobatics is pretty good in my character so then i just roll my d20 and um the dm decides if the, is that pass or fail so the the way i understood it is the the more difficult the thing is you're trying to do it was described mm-hmm. the harder it is to pass the roll right
2: yeah exactly
0: yeah so there's always um you know, you wanna stay within your character's limits on that one for sure. Like you don't want to do anything extraordinary because then you're gonna need like an really
2: exceptional role to pass it. Right. Definitely. So yeah, they're they're just just because the rules only say uh, so much about combat doesn't mean there's other ways you can represent combat. And that's how I do it. I, I usually do like a skill challenge if I'm really trying to streamline something or or just make it a little more cinematic.
0: Yeah, we we didn't want to spend too much time in that area and it really did speed up the process. Like we just explained what we were doing and it, boom boom it happened and the fight was over and it was a series of fights. So it really did uh save a lot of time. It, those those fights were, you know, not meaningless,
2: but you know, not as in, they weren't life or death or anything like that. Yeah. And and the fact was that's why we had to streamline it cuz we were limited on time and this was a series of gladiator fights. Um there was going to be three in total back to back. And um in, in actual game time like that, that takes a while. Like if each fight is if you're lucky thirty minutes long, like that's an hour and a half of just nothing but combat. Right. And when you have a limited amount of time like we do, um you gotta make the best of your time. So I thought it was a good call, and everyone had fun. That's the most important part. Have fun. Selling a little or a lot.
0: Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Linen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. shopify.com slash dungeoncast.
1: Hey, everyone. We wanted to
0: take this opportunity to thank you for listening. We really appreciate your support. If you like what we do here at The Dungeon Cast, please spread the word and tell your friends about us. You can find us on soundcloud.com slash thedungeoncast on iTunes or click the link in our description to hear us on YouTube. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. If you have a question, suggestion, or you just want to say hi, feel free to leave a comment. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at the thedungeoncast or send us an email at thedungeoncast at gmail.com. That's it for the break. Enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, so I, um, I think that does it for combat. Yeah, we pretty much covered as much as we want to get into that
2: today. Um, let's talk about the next pillar, which is exploration, um, and my personal favorite of the three pillars. Uh, exploring is probably the most fun for me in this game. I love delving into dungeons and just exploring every nook and cranny. I like getting into the lore of a game and like making my history checks or like trying to like figure out a puzzle or um explore like a region like forests, mountains. And that's the thing in this game exploration kind of covers a lot, you know, anything from sailing the high seas to exploring caves underground to uh to exploring a city, villages, towns, um climbing mountains. Like this is a world that your character lives in and uh you're going to explore it, hopefully. Um So yeah, what what do you, what do you want to know about the exploration?
0: Well, killer. I think it's important to talk about like what is um really fun and interesting for the players can be something that the the, the DM should expect and really really account
2: for um mm-hmm. give their players places to explore. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and some DMs have every little nook and cranny and aspect of their world pre-planned. And uh, kudos to them because it takes a lot of work. But um others uh make it all up as they go, and I'm a little bit of both. And uh, I'm always ready for when Rohan or Rosnan decide to go out and just start doing stuff. Um, and a lot of times, I'm just kind of throwing that track out in front, just trying to keep just one step ahead of you guys. Sometimes I do have a pre plan though. And uh, but yeah, be ready and um, be ready to think on your feet because your players are always going to think of something that you don't. So what what's a good
0: tool for when you're when you're thinking of sh- shit on your feet like that? Like what are you what are you going to use to kind of help you? Um like, lubricate that process, I guess?
2: Um, for me, it's easy, you know, I, I watch a lot of movies, I've read a lot of books, um, so I always draw on that inspiration, um, you know, book, books are very, um, despite not having pictures, they're very visual in their descriptions, and so I always have stuff going on in my head that, like, I'm pulling from previous word pictures painted for me by, uh, different authors and whatnot, and so, um... When you guys just start adventuring, I just start describing, and I just keep going. So my character is always looking for treasure
0: and shit like that. Mm-hmm. He's kind of greedy guy. He want he wants money and mm-hmm. he wants to uh, have nice things. So um, when he goes out into like the wilderness or is checking in caves and stuff like that, or maybe like just kind of strolling around town looking for items, you know, um, I don't know what would you have me like stumble upon. I like are those things that you have ready? Are you ready for characters to kind of roll out and maybe find a chest or something like that, or
2: um, I remember one
0: time we found a dead guy in a ditch and he had all kinds of cool shit on him.
2: yes, that did happen um for for that kind of thing, I tend to i took
0: all that shit by the
2: way yeah, <laughs> yeah for for that kind of thing, I tend not to um I'm not going to put a chest in a place just because a player is looking for it that's to me not good dming because then the player's gonna get upset when they look and nothing's there but the fact of the matter or they're is, gonna go out every time they can to find a chest right yeah th- you know and um and the fact of the matter is that's not how real life works you don't just go out and find buried treasure every time you go into town that specific time there was that thing was literally there and was there the whole time Um, and it was actually, I was really, really happy when you decided to do what you did because it was like, oh, cool. They're going to find the thing maybe. And (laughs) then you did. I was like, oh, this is cool. Um, so, uh, if, if the player goes out looking for stuff, uh, I'll always kind of have an idea of what's going on in the town. So maybe they won't find treasure, but they might find some stuff out about the town that they otherwise wouldn't have because they were snooping about. Okay. So, um. That that all applies to
0: like any area. Like if you want to walk up into the mountains, walking around town, go into some ditch or some valley or whatever, there is probably going to be something to explore.
2: Yeah, okay. yeah. And you may and often often may find nothing, but you never know. So um, uh, on foot, things take pretty long. If you're if you're going to walk out
0: somewhere, you know, um, that's going to take time. Mm-hmm. Like real real world or fantasy world, daytime like mm-hmm. or nighttime, what, mm-hmm. whatever. Whatever you're doing, um. So what's a what's a good way? I know like um we got some horses and stuff that usually helps a lot
2: when you're when you're doing land travel. Yeah. So in D and D you have uh long distance and short distance travel. Um. Oftentimes characters will find themselves traveling across regions or between cities and whatnot, and that could take days and days and days. Um. So ways to shorten that would be of course on horseback or maybe a uh, carriage, um, by boat. You know, over the sea. Um, and then later on there's gonna be much more like uh fantastical ways of flying about like on Griffin back or on the back of a dragon or you know, or who knows. Or also uh wizards get the fly spell at some point. Final Fantasy Airship. Yeah, Final Fantasy Airship. There you go. Hell yeah. yeah we need to get, get one of those really cool ASAP <laughs> yeah. immediately, please. We will see. <laughs> we'll <laughs> see about that. Um proficient at- in airships. And it's, be me. <laughs> and it's up to the DM how to uh, how to approach that. Some sometimes you may want to get really descriptive about the long journey. Sometimes it's just you know what you guys went on a trip. It took you two weeks. This this and this happened. Moving on. You guys are now at your next des- destination. And depending on what the story calls for, you're going to ha- kind of have a different approach to how you're going to describe your long distance travel. Okay. So when um when I'm out looking for treasure, because that's that's what I like to do, um.
0: I mean, what am I gonna what like okay, so I walk out into like a hillside mm-hmm. and I'm just kinda looking around for, for whatever. Like what's a good way to find what 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 you're looking for that you don't know you're looking for?
2: So you'll find when uh when you're exploring, you're gonna use a different set of skills than you might during combat or during social interaction. Um and when you're looking for treasure, you're gonna be rolling investigation checks or perception checks. Um, if you're trying to sneak up on something that may be guarding that treasure, you're going to be rolling your stealth check. Um, <clears throat> trying to think of any other skills that may be pertinent to exploration. Nature is going to come up a lot in your exploration in more of a natural setting. Um, just kind of understanding the plant life and animal life around you, maybe tracking an animal or some such or recognizing the tracks of some animal that might be in the area might be pertinent to your exploration. So uh, always play to your strengths right like when yeah, you
0: when you're out I exploring mean, you don't want to try to do a skill that your character sucks at even though it might be the best skill that you that that would be for that situation if your character is bad at it
2: there's probably another way that you can creatively think of something to yeah um, to, there i mean there is and and you know you might not necessarily want to um you know play to your weaknesses, but at the same time, there's no way around it. Like, sometimes, I mean, who's to say that you're not a character that likes to explore, but you're kind of shitty at it? Like, that's, <laughs> that guy could totally be a thing. Yeah, like, stealth is so good
0: in, in this game that, uh it in my helpful. experience, Um but some characters really suck at it. Uh, like, you have to be exceptionally good good at it to do it all the time. <laughs> you know, like yeah. eventually you're gonna fail stealth checks. That's true. That's always bad. You're trying to be sneaky and you get caught up. Yeah. And now everybody knows you were trying to be sneaky. That's always fun. So if it's an NPC with some intelligence, <clears throat> you know, that
2: that's a bad look, man. You yeah. don't wanna And not only are you trying to avoid uh, you know, being spotted by enemy combatants with your stealth checks, but oftentimes with your perception and your investigation checks uh you're looking for traps or difficult terrain um which there are a lot of in this game you know dungeons tend to be booby trapped all over the place there are pit traps and acid traps and uh flame jet traps and just a whole host of traps that you'll find in the dungeon master's guide and uh in, on the more natural setting in like a, a forest or in a cave there's going to be uh like natural treacherous terrain like a razor vine or quicksand or um you know rock slides and such and your investigation and your perception are what's going to help you avoid and spot those traps and a tricky terrain. So
0: uh, let's say that you have a mystery on your hands, like DMs are apt to provide for you, mm-hmm. um, and you want to go explore and look for clues. Um, you might find some things that you don't really understand, but um, are there some ways that you're, like especially out of character, you're, you're going to see you're going to have things described to you that your character sees that you're going to be like okay what the hell is that um there are some skills that you have that can kind of help you curb that and and mitigate that a little bit like uh like insight
2: would probably be a good one right um insight is is definitely useful um when it comes to like recognizing something you haven't seen before that's usually going to be some sort of knowledge check um whether that be history or nature or arcana wherever this thing kind of falls in, religion is another one. It could fall under, like, a a religious thing if this thing is, like, a fiend or some sort of cultish symbol, maybe, or you never know. But, yeah, when it's something you haven't seen before and you're trying to recognize it, it's going to be a knowledge check, and that's going to come up a lot in exploration as well, Um, especially when you're exploring, like, old ruins of an ancient civilization or anything really, really old Um, or uh, anything, like, uh, that has, like, a legendary or folklore kind of uh, thing about it. Um, Also, kind of getting back to the whole nature thing, um, finding food, water, and enduring weather are things in this game when you're out there in the wilderness. Um, Depending on the situation, I don't tend to make you guys keep track of uh, food and water and rations and whatnot. But if you guys are in the middle of the desert, I am going to make you guys keep track of that because it wouldn't make sense to otherwise. Yeah,
0: it suddenly becomes a very real problem that you have to focus on when you're out in, like, harsh conditions. Mm Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just kind of passive. We're passively getting food at the right times. And um, we've got a ranger with us that can forage
2: and, like, people that are capable. We're probably getting food. Yeah. Which is a big part of why I don't make you guys keep track of it. You guys have mostly been in, like, very green areas. You've been in forests and on plains and whatnot. And you have a really kick ass ranger with you. So I'm not going to bother. But when you're in the desert, I will. Or if you're, like, stuck underground for, like, days and days and days and days, like, you definitely I'll I'll be keeping track of that and having a good nature skill really helps with that it helps you forage for food it helps you find water um Yeah, and- when
0: you when you're limited on time um during a game you don't want to uh you don't want to waste too much on little trivial things yeah. like Oh, how much gold are you spending on this thing? Make sure you subtract that and like, oh, now you gotta go eat lunch or whatever. Right. You know, just like that, that <laughs> well can some some t- DMs
2: do that. Yeah,
0: but we don't we don't have the luxury
2: of that. Yeah, that's of not time. our game. That's yeah. not our game. That's someone else's game, and that's cool. But um also I, I I've been forgetting to mention this whole time the survival skill, which also ties into the forging for food. And uh enduring horrible weather, whether that's like extreme heat, extreme cold, um yeah, if you're like out in the desert or up in the mountains, you're probably going to roll that a lot. Yeah, and uh, and if you start to fail those rolls, you're going to start suffering from what's called exhaustion, which is kind of like a condition, like we talked about in the combat phase, but it's a little bit different. There are levels of exhaustion. I think there's 4 is Doesn't the barb the barbarian go through like levels
0: of exhaustion with their rage
2: mechanic? Uh, not exactly. There is a archetype of the barbarian who goes into a deeper rage called the frenzy. Okay. And when he, when he taps into that second level of anger, uh, he's left exhausted afterwards and he suffers from one level of exhaustion. Being angry makes you fucking tired. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, but exhaustion works a little bit differently. There are levels of exhaustion. I think there's a total of four. There might be a total of five in each level. Um, just causes your character to be able to do less and less and less until at level four, you die. So I guess there's three ways you, your character can die. One is by HP deficiency. One is by uh, failing the death saving throws. And the third is if you reach the final level of exhaustion, you are considered dead. What about like old age? Oh yeah, there's that too, but like, I've never seen that occur in an actual D and D game. Yeah, you're, you roll a character so <laughs> old that midway through the campaign they just fucking they just croak. Die, jeez, that's, that's hilarious. What a geezer. <laughs> um, so uh, so, so weather conditions. Also, uh, you know, you're gonna you're gonna face other types of things out there, uh, when you're exploring, like uh, drowning, drowning, and stuff like that. Like that's a thing that can happen. You can drown in this game. And there are saving mechanics that you would have to roll for that. Okay, so while, while I'm meandering about
0: the the fantasy world that my DM has created, there's lots of uh, wonderful NPCs that you may or may not ask the name of. But, <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's that brings us to our next uh, pillar, which is uh, <laughs> social interaction. And uh, you might be a very, very rude person and not ask for people's names.
2: Yeah. And that might
0: offend some people. Yeah. That are fantasy or not
2: so for reference the group that i run with brian here are fucking notorious for never asking anyone's name ever and then they always find themselves in a situation of what's this person's name i go i don't know you never fucking asked we're usually like hey yo that you
0: give us the shit you have now yeah they're they're a bunch of rude boys tell us the thing
2: that you you are you're obviously supposed to tell us immediately stranger rude 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 boys um but yeah, there are NPCs in in this game. Um the plethora of them and you're going to they come in all shapes and sizes and uh this
0: is a non-player character, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. NPC stands for non-player character. They are the uh people that the DM is responsible for uh, controlling and and voice acting and and all that stuff. Um and they're going to be everywhere from all the people you see in a tavern or in a town to uh the monsters that you're fighting sometimes fights don't end in you killing everything sometimes they end with prisoners or in a stalemate and, or sometimes they just they end in a negotiation and maybe no one has to hurt anybody in the first place <laughs> um yeah because yeah goblins and orcs and whatnot they can talk like sometimes they can speak common yeah you can reason with them yeah you know
0: you don't always have to go to blows, which no, is important. Because definitely not.
2: Sometimes you don't want to, man. Sometimes something's way stronger than you. Maybe you can yeah. talk your way out of this. Yeah, it's true. So social interaction comes into play at this point when it comes to NPCs and sometimes even monsters. And it's uh, a very, very big and important pillar of this game. The DM's responsible for all these NPCs and it's the players who are going to interact with them. And I often... Like to really, really encourage uh words over skills mentality when it comes to social interaction, like so you have certain a certain set of social skills you have your persuasion skill, your deception skill, you have your intimidation skill um those are all based off of like charisma right all, all based off charisma, yes, and then there's insight, which is like your ability to kind of see through all those skills, yeah like your intuition, your intuition, yeah, and your ability to, your your lie detecting skill. Um, and a lot of times players will be like, oh, well, I, I roll intimidate on this NPC. I'm going to be like, okay, but what do you say? Like, what do you say that's intimidating? And sometimes that's hard for a player to think. They can throw them for a loop, especially when they thought they're getting
0: away with just rolling. Yeah. Like, oh, this, this dice will take care of the hard, the heavy lifting form. Yeah. I
2: discourage that. It, It takes away from the game. For me, uh, don't, don't tell me what you're rolling. Um, just tell me what you do. And if I need a roll from you, I will ask for it. Um, that's generally how I like to run it. You know, everyone's different. I think that helps keep um, players true to staying in character. I totally agree. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I, I definitely encourage a words over skills kind of mentality when it comes to not just not just the social interaction, also the exploration phase too. So what you're doing, I'll tell you if you need a role. Uh, you know, if you've been playing with me long enough though, you do kind of get a sense for what I'm going to ask a role for. So sometimes like Josh... Gets ahead of himself, and we'll just be like, "Well, uh I'm gonna stealth down the hallway," and he's just real stealth. I don't say anything because, like, well, I was gonna have him do that anyway. But, yeah,
0: might as might as well just streamline yeah, it, I guess. Yeah,
2: but for the most part, just tell me what you're doing, and I'll tell you if I need a roll. Uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of awkward when you're like, um,
0: "Okay, I want to intimidate this guy," and you're like, "Okay, well, tell me tell me how you do it," and yeah. they're like, "Uh, uh. <laughs> you, you give me the thing, you you jerk." And then the guy's like, "Uh, no." Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you roll an eighteen on it, and he's
2: like, "Uh, that was scary, but yeah, no, but no, <laughs> that's weird, that also." Was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and and there's there there is a negative to this in a way because sometimes it really is hard for a player to think on their feet quick enough to to come up with something. Intimidation, not so much, but like when they're trying to be persuasive or they're trying to lie, um, sometimes we are not as charismatic as the characters that we are role playing but that's okay as long as the, the player tries and we'll we'll work it out and we'll make it work yeah that's why that's why the roles exist yeah yeah i often find myself wanting to play like characters with high charisma and I I just feel like I utterly fail because I fail to be as charismatic as the thing I'm trying to portray. I can never be this yeah. wonderful man I've created. I know it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> his charming smile um, and
0: his intimidation plus three.
2: Yeah. So so social interaction is uh it's the part of the game where a lot I, I would say maybe most of the skill rolling will will happen and also where most of the player knowledge versus character knowledge and the staying characters going to take place um because you're going to be you're you're not going to be saying things your character is going to be saying things to people and then the dm isn't saying things back those those npcs are talking back to your character and the things you say and the things you do have repercussions um you're going to make friends you're going to make foes um you know there's going to be npcs that you just never meet that you end up affecting because of things that you did or said um and
0: you might run into them later, and they, they uh, fucking hate you, and you have no, no idea. idea why. Who the hell are you? <laughs> what do I do? To I you? might not even. I might have even met them, and I still don't know who they are because I didn't ask. You never asked their
2: name. God damn it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. Well, uh, at least. Um. I mean, it's kind of. It's kind of in character, I guess. Yeah, it is. <laughs>
2: well, you you spun that to be in character as a convenience I'm factor. A, I'm a jerk. It's okay. <laughs> One one of these days, you guys aren't going to ask the name of someone very important, and it's going to come back to bite you guys yeah. in the ass. Hopefully, um, thankfully,
0: we, we're kind of starting to
2: to um, iron out these. Remotes. Are you? Because I, I have yet to see it. Uh, we we have time. <laughs> yeah, we're having this conversation yeah, you guys, now. You guys are luckily nowhere <laughs> near any NPCs. You guys are out in the wilderness right now. Um, so uh, when when it comes to to staying in character and and the repercussions of what you do. Uh, we inevitably inevitably come to a conversation about what I and the rest of the gaming community call murder hobos. Yay! And murder hobos. What a funny name. Are a bane to this game's existence. Murder hobo just refers to, um, generally newer players because they can't help themselves, or sometimes older players because they're just jerks. Uh, players that. Just do whatever they want, kill whatever they want, take whatever they want, because they're not used to a game where that doesn't work. Like, like okay, so in Skyrim, you can kill whoever you want, take whatever you want, and, like, there's kind of a price to pay. Like, they'll put you in jail for some days, but, like... There's no real effect. Yeah, like, you don't have a party in that game. Yeah, or you anything. don't have you a party. flash.
0: Don't you fast forward through that? Yeah, time. you fast
2: forward through that time, and then you're back, and people just shoot you like they always would. That like, does not happen in no, Dungeons and Dragons. No, you not get locked at all.
0: in jail. Like. You've got like three or four people that you were probably rolling with that are like, Okay, well like we need him. He's in jail. Or or do we really need him? Can we move on? <laughs> yeah, do we just roll? Do we just bounce and yeah. leave the homeboy like in yeah. his cage? You
2: know, I never really liked him in the first place, so <laughs> fuck him. Yeah, that's messed up. Yeah. Oh, it happens. I've heard well, I've never seen it happen, but I've read stories. Um. So, murder hobos. Uh. You know. it's so Wait. Why does why is it called? What? Where did that oh, name come because from? What is it called? Murder hobos. It's because they, at, like liken to hobos. They travel the land, and then the murder part is they just kill and take whatever they want. Like like
0: pillaging vagrants. Kinda? Yeah,
2: pillaging vagrants. They you're basically the bandits. You're the bad guys at that point because you're just going from <laughs> town to town kicking ass t- and taking names and taking what you want and and moving on. You're and eventually, gonna it's going to come to bite you in the ass because the whole region's going to like, you know, swell up against you.
0: What are those um like my character has respect to the stout folk because he's basically like uh raised by dwarves? Yeah. So
2: what's the other one? Um uh folk folk hero? Yeah,
0: folk hero. Folk hero is the, the opposite Murder Hobo is the opposite of, of a folk, folk, folk hero. hero.
2: Definitely. Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. And a folk hero could ruin his good name by becoming a murder hobo. It's true. <laughs> so
0: can you have, I guess that's interesting to talk about um, <laughs> is if you have uh so folk hero is like a mechanic where people in towns just kind of respect you
2: for, for, things that you've done you kind of just are of the people i guess yeah you're a man of the people you're just really approachable and you've done good things and people some people have heard of you and yeah they want to like like give you you
0: housing and things like that like mechanically if you need a place to stay or if you're hiding from the cops and they or the the militia or whatever they are and you need to like high lay low and it doesn't put them at risk they'll let you do it like as a mechanic so yeah yeah can you
2: ruin that by being a murder hobo in my game you can hell yeah you can so like
0: (laughs) Like, you've made a reputation that just negates your mechanical folk uh, hero. I
2: I was just like, you are no longer a folk hero. You have lost that background. I'd let you pick, I don't know, the criminal background, I guess. You wouldn't get any of, like, the material stuff. (laughs) That's hilarious. But now you're a criminal.
0: Yeah, so there are definitely um, there are definitely consequences for your actions in D and D. You cannot run around doing whatever you want. People I mean, you will. Well, yeah, but you're gonna you're gonna pay for it.
2: Yeah, there will be there. Will, and sometimes, like, hey, maybe that is the game that you want to run. Like, fuck it. Like, let's Grand Theft Auto this. <laughs> but uh, and that's cool. I we're wouldn't run that coming, game personally. We're never come back here. Uh, this horse is mine now. I'd like to watch that game and see how it went, but uh, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to be part of that game. I feel like we as a party in our game we we ride the line a lot. Sometimes. Not as much as other parties I've definitely seen. Definitely like, not as much as we could, yeah. Definitely not as much as you could. But you guys sometimes get so upset if things don't quite go your way. Like these guys had to um to pay us a, a specific toll to gain um protection. Yeah, there were some bodyguards that wanted to help us down uh like a mystic river. Mm-hmm. There was no way we were gonna get through it ourselves. You can mm-hmm. kinda tell. Yeah. And uh and elves being elves and not, like, the material folk that humans and dwarves can be, um, rather than have a flat fee, their fee was a percentage of whatever the uh, the people who needed passage uh, had. So that, like, those who were poor could still get passage, and those who were rich uh, would kind of pay to, like, uh, make up for that lack of funding that maybe the poor had. And uh, also because um the elves were going through a hard time that percentage was a little bit higher than it used to be it was 10 percent, 10 percent of everything they had in order to get through down this river they needed to get down <laughs> with no problems and man did they get upset they got so mad that they had to give up 10 percent of their material wealth
0: i was so i was like okay i was up on we were on like a boat and my character likes to ride up on the top of the mast i tried to lay low i tried to yeah. hide i did successfully hide he did. my most expensive shit he did that was great
2: but uh, everyone
0: else was subject to it immediately and they were pissed yeah they were so mad hot fire down there (laughs) i was like "Ooh, i'm staying up here it it was no no
2: yeah but like for your character it made sense because your character has been established as a very greedy character like since the beginning the rest of them not so much but yeah it's it's just kind of funny how like um as much as you try you can only separate character and player knowledge so much sometimes
0: yeah, it's, and no one um, likes
2: to give up their shit
0: there. I want to talk about that a little more because there are a lot of gray areas in there, um, like mm-hmm. especially there's a scenario with puzzle solving and riddle solving mm. that. Um, so um, I like I like that um, words before skills is definitely a good rule to kind of help curb that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you saw so- if there's a puzzle in a dungeon mm-hmm. and you can definitely solve this, but your character is kind of stupid or whatever, right. or like maybe not as intelligent in this area um what do you what do you do can you roll you can roll the skill or like what do you
2: puzzles are always hard in this game because of that exact reason same with riddles or anything along that line um it really depends or even like the character should
0: is very smart and should know this but you Mm -hmm. don't
2: yeah like because like you're not as smart as your character necessarily yeah that's a problem um okay so if your character is Has a really low intelligence and you know there's no way that he would really have an idea of how to solve this. Yeah, without help or something. Without help. But you do as a player, I would say role play it in that in that aspect. Just keep it to yourself. Um, because your DM hopefully knows that your character can't do this. Yeah. Now if your character is more like, I don't know, a ten or eleven or a twelve, like and you know, and you, ten, you figured ten out the is, puzzle, ten just is solve average. the puzzle. Ten is, 10 is average, average. 10 yeah. is average, yeah. Just solve the puzzle. Uh, puzzles can be one of the most unimmersive part of the game. They're fun, though. I love puzzles, and I'll throw them here and there. Yeah, they get kind of like convoluted because of this, though. A little clunky because of this, yeah. Um, if a character is really intelligent, and I as a DM feel like they should have a little bit of edge, I might give them a hint, but hints are hard, because... Sometimes I hint could just blow the holding wide open and like it make it too easy to solve. So
0: if a smart a character if a player is uh is not figuring it out but their character should and mm-hmm. they, like let's say they roll for whatever uh, skill they would need to complete the puzzle, mm-hmm. would you just describe what they do? Like, okay, so you go over to
2: I don't know, the door panel and you put in the right combination because you figured out the puzzle yeah. or whatever. That's one way to do it. Uh at that, at that point though, if you're rolling a skill to solve the puzzle what's the point of the puzzle right okay that makes sense you know what i mean like well i
0: mean like like for just the fact that there is a puzzle means that somebody doesn't want you around or like wants to test you to get in there maybe right maybe as far as like in-game that's the only oh like somebody went through the trouble like an npc went through the trouble of putting this here or whatever okay
2: yeah so the the puzzle serves that purpose
0: but But otherwise i mean it's a challenge a player Uh, maybe not as much yeah like unless you unless you like I don't know, like, riddles are also hard. Like, riddles are also hard. Because most people don't have a good time solving riddles in
2: the modern day, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Um, And then, and then it being kind of difficult to implement these things, and what happens when none of your players can figure it out? Yeah, are you um, stuck there forever? Are you stuck there? So for, for riddles and for puzzles, I would definitely make it... Don't make your entire game contingent on this. Like, don't make what's beyond this puzzle something that they have to have to move on in this quest or storyline unless you're prepared to deal with those consequences if you're ready for that cool Um, because that that, that's a harsh reality it it might not be solvable for your players your players just can't figure it out what's obvious to you may not be obvious to them you know so but puzzles and riddles are fun I don't want to discourage anyone from implementing them I would discourage over implementation Um, they're to be used um not over liberally like every once in a while it's it's a nice change of pace but don't use them too much yeah if you think about it
0: in like normal towns and cities and things like that how often are you going to run into like a re- a real like mechanical riddle like that, you know. Yeah. Think, uh, usually in the dungeon. You oh, you might, got, but you guys just wait for your next session. <laughs>
2: you guys just wait.
0: Yeah, we have a game tomorrow, so we have we have playing on the on the brain right now, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure it, I'm sure you can and hear it's, it. And it's been a
2: while since we played too. I know everyone's uh excited to scratch that itch. Yeah. So um but back on back on topic with uh with social interaction. Um I don't know. What what else do you want to cover? I think we've covered a, a good deal of it. Um Oh, well, we haven't really talked about etiquette I mean like being polite or
0: like being etiquette um, okay yeah being yeah. like that I, I was wondering like okay so in in your world of mm-hmm. asmara we're we're traveling around and there are kings and nobles and lords and yep. and there are townsfolk and regular mm-hmm. people blacksmiths very medieval type setting mm-hmm. do you take uh what you know about uh, medieval settings and their etiquette and just apply that to our game is that how we determine like who says please and thank you to who and who deserves a uh, my lord and my lady
2: yeah uh okay so uh when it comes to like uh cultural customs and whatnot like in manners uh it can get a little uh hairy just because like we're not used to dealing with lords and kings and royalty and aristocracy and we're not used to being super submissive to those of a higher uh, status or stature than us. So it can get really hard to get characters to kind of stick to that. So uh, I tend to be really soft on those rules. I will have certain cultures and cities and whatnot will have different like what's considered polite and not polite customs. For instance, in the city of Baronsgate, Gate, uh, you found that whenever a favor was asked for or advice or directions or anything like it's customary to slip like a copper or a silver piece uh, to switch hands just to kind of grease the wheels on the whole thing. And that's just because that's the culture. Like it's a very money centric culture and it's just considered really, really rude to not do that. If you stop someone on the street and ask them for advice or like direction or something, you're just kind of expected to do that. And that's just the culture of that city. And then there's other cities where that's nowhere near the culture. So, um, I do have a certain idea for like the the way manners are and etiquette are expected to be. But when it comes to like oh god, sometimes you guys are rude as hell to lords and ladies that you should not be uh theoretically speaking and uh you know, I just I let it go because it's that's that's a difficult one. We're not used to in our society now having to deal with that, so it could be easy to forget. And when a really arrogant lord or lady treats you guys poorly, uh, it's hard for you guys not to react back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a um, staying in character is very important here mm. too, I think, because some some characters aren't going to be polite. They're not going to want to. They don't yeah. pay respects to people like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And that could totally be an in character thing. And yeah, that's totally cool. I feel like um,
0: our party should should. Should not they're not like that maybe Mm, rosden maybe yeah rosden he's got some
2: i I see him not giving a shit what your title is (laughs) yeah but uh but for the rest of you guys this should kind of be important especially thanic i think thanic is uh the best when it comes to that yeah he's he
0: stays in character really well he's basically
2: a noble i mean yeah and yeah that's the thing he is a noble i kind of want to talk about that because i have a tendency to play uh quote-unquote former nobles or nobles on hiatus, if you will. and um, (laughs) The walkaways. Yeah, the walkaways. And I will make sure that when they're addressing somebody, they keep the hierarchy, if you will, in their mind. If they're addressing a king, they're going to pay respects to that king in that nation's custom. And if it's like an equal lord, he's going to have that kind of relationship. And if he's talking to a, a commoner or a peasant, he's going to have that kind of attitude. And if... I got a good party going, and if the DM is on board with it, it goes really well. Sometimes it doesn't go well at all, because what we were just talking about, about how it's hard for the players to kind of deal with being talked to poorly. Sometimes the DM, if if he's not on top of his game and isn't really paying attention to what he's doing, will kind of forget like um, that if this character really is a lord, commoners and him are going to talk to each other in certain ways.
0: Hello everyone, and with that we're going to call it a game. want to thank everyone for sticking around through that one, I know it was a little long. As a reward, I'm going to go ahead and hook you up with everybody's best friend, everybody's potential lover, the Sage DM. Take it away, Sage DM.
2: Hey everybody, Sage DM here with your Sage DM Advice for the Week. Remember, a big wife and a big bond never did a man any harm. That's all I got this week, folks. Goodbye. Goodbye!